Ooh, welcome everyone to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy do I have a surprise for you. I have on the phone with me right now, Tom Fridley, and he played Court in Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Hey Tom, how you doing? I'm doing great, Scotty. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have you on here. I we said like we were talking, you know, for about a good ten minutes uh, before we recorded, and uh, we talked about how you know I set up the interview about a month ago or so. And we finally got to make this happen. Well, I apologize for that. You Not know, a life problem. Happens, especially you know, like I said, you probably be better off catching me like twenty minutes before <laughs> the interview, and I'd say, "Oh, great, you know, that's fine. Yeah, I can do it right now." You know what I mean? It's, right. Not a problem. There's way too much time for stuff to you know to happen. Yes, exactly. And we, we were talking. You actually forwarded the message to me um, about. I'll, I'll read this to the to the listening audience. Uh, but uh, from Tommy McLaughlin, the director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, he actually I actually reached out to him for, for him to put in a word for me to you, so you can uh, know that hey, I'm on the up and up. And this is the message that Tom McLaughlin sent to, uh, to you. It says, "Hey, dude, there, there, uh, there's this interviewer, podcast guy, slasher Scotty McCoy, who I inter- I was interviewed by. He said he was trying to reach at, reach you, but wanted me to assure you that he is a good guy. Uh, and uh, the rest is history." <laughs> so me, uh, you know it's not as big the thing is, is to be honest with you Sky it's not it's not so much as I mean I've had a couple of interviews that were just ridiculous that just yeah. like you know I didn't know what their motivation was but just in this last week there's yeah. probably been five or six people have called it's like a lot of them line up one after another and they're <laughs> like if you're sitting in my position and I'm like just going on with my life it's like I lose track yeah. of which one's which and which Absolutely. one's who and then some of them only want to do video and then some of them some of them get pretty demanding. They expect a lot of, like, you know, they'll have you doing all kinds of stuff and jumping yep. through hoops for them. Absolutely. And then want you to do all kinds of other promo stuff for them. And you can see they're really kind of, like, using you to get whatever they can get out of it. Right. It's not as good of a feeling, you know. Right. And, I, I mean, I've been doing this, you know, since 2016 or so. And I interviewed, I, I think you're my, maybe my 111th, 112th interview I've had um, since 2016. Wow. And, uh, I mean... I, I've been recently doing uh, video interviews, but every interview before that was uh, phone, and my audio equipment when I first started was very shitty, so like you can actually listen to my interviews in the past, and you could tell the audio was bad compared to what I have now. I, I've obviously upgraded um, since I've been doing the, these, and uh, I, I'm if you want to do video, fine. If you want to do phone, fine. I want whatever my guest is most comfortable you know with. what I'm thinking is this, is if you want to do another one later on down the line or whatever, I'll yeah. do a video because I, I do I do like I now what I do on my own time is like I work on um, yeah I have vintage motorcycles I do and I have a shop like right out my room like I walk right out into my shop which is a Quonset hut which is right. explained like a big people that know military people the the big rounded off buildings are like a big circular half egg shape they're long to they look like airplane hangers like, nice like airplane hangers kind of looking things nice so I have one of those and I do vintage boats and vintage bikes so I can set up a camera there it might be interesting to kind of see because I got a lot of really cool stuff that actually be really cool yeah I would love that so the first question I got for you is uh, how did you get your start into acting how I got my start well my first job I did was um the pilot I think it's the pilot of the second third episode of Fantasy Island which was like mm-hmm. 1978 okay. I was 12 years old 11 years old yeah I think 11 or 12 and how it started was this oh gosh this is I'm trying to figure out I fast forward to Los Angeles we moved up there my mom was um in the industry and her her uh her agent his name mm-hmm. is Martin Gage for the Gage group that's in LA well he was my godfather mm-hmm. so what happened was is that 
uh, I got into BMX bicycles. I got into racing BMX bicycles. And I wanted mm-hmm. to buy a bike. So then I asked my mom, I said, so, you know, because these bikes were like six, seven hundred dollars. She said, well, you know what? Talk to Martin. Maybe, you know, you can go out and read for some, you know, see if you can read for something. I wasn't interested at all in this. And I was like, oh, OK. So I ended up going up <laughs> to this interview. And the guy's name is Joel Thurm, a dear friend of mine, and he's the, the first casting agent that I'd gone mm-hmm. and read to. So he says, so why do you want to be an actor? And I said, I don't want to be an actor, man. I want to buy a BMX bike. And I want to, you know, I just don't want to race bicycles. He's like, because he's used to kids coming in there being passionate about this industry. Right. So I, he said, I'll tell you what. He goes, um, he goes, uh, he goes, well, let me have you read for me. I was so bad. I go, what do you mean read for you? He's just, I'm in here. It's like, did I get the job or not? And he got, he got such a kick out of me. He goes, I'll tell you what, you got the job, but you're going to have to read with your sister as a sister part. So he tricked me into reading by saying that. I had to read with my sister part, so then they bring the females in to read for my sister anyway. So I ended up doing that. It was my first job. Nice. And, um, and so it was basically, you know, I went and like, you do, you know, it was in LA, you just get a ride to the interview by my, I think my mom drove me to the interview right. to get your sides, which is the thing. Now it's changed, do real thing on video. Nice. But the thing that's funny is, the funny part of this is the second job I did was called, um, oh gosh, it was, um, oh God, it was with Jason, uh, Jason Robards and, uh, Marsha Mason, it was back in the thing. Oh, gosh, what the heck was his name? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, anyway, the same casting director. This is the wild thing. And, but the thing right. is, is, by that time, I wanted, I was in a band, and I wanted to buy a PA system. So, like, see, so he goes, Joel, I go to see Joel Thurman again. And he's so <laughs> he decided to be an actor. I said, like, no, 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 I want to be a rock star. <laughs> so I had to read for that one. Max Dugan Returns. That's the name of the movie, Max Dugan Returns. It's, nice. But, uh, I don't know, it's an old classic. So I ended up getting that. <laughs> jobs I went I was really like fortunate and then after that's that awesome. when I decided to really take it seriously then it was like it's just amazing how your mind once you focus it right. on something sometimes it pushes it away and it becomes the competition got you know harder and then you know the rules became more you know and just being a kid just being a kid and then absolutely the rules become more demanding and all yeah absolutely so what was your audition like for Friday the 13th part 6 Jason Lives let's see for that one um, let's see I went in I went in with um, my ripped ass up Levi's because all the stuff I wear in that is all my own clothes. I just went in. Nice. And I went, as soon as I watched it, I remember seeing Tommy. And Tommy and I just kind of gelled because he's a musician. And we were talking about music mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't really remember. But I remember reading that. And by the time I got home, usually you get a call back and then you get another call back. By the time I got home, it was already like, you're in it. This is it. We want you and, and you only want you. Nice. And I was it. So I sold myself to him somehow. He really <clears> liked me. So it was it. We talked a little bit. We t- I think we talked about music a little bit. Nice. And then it was just, he goes, all right, well, can you read for me? And I read, and then he was going to give me direction to do something, and then I mm-hmm. improv something or did something, and he was like, okay, sold. And it was nice. like, that was it. And usually they don't do it like that in interviews. You have to wait and hear from your agent. And so that was really a, that right. was probably the quickest job. Awesome. Awesome. So what was the best part about filming Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, and what was the worst? Oh, gosh. I, you know what? There was no really, like, a worst, I guess. You know what the worst thing about it was? It was really, really cold mm-hmm. where we were. And it was, like, freezing. And we weren't wearing, like, really winter clothes. Right. And then I was in that van with, like, boxers on. And then, <laughs> and then I could, they saw the boxers, so I had to put a jock strap on. And I knew Darcy from high school, from junior high. We went to school together. Nice. So that was really weird. Cause, you know, I mean, and I was on set before she was because I had a bigger part than her. So when she showed up, they were like, yeah, we got this girl here. She's going to be your girlfriend. I'm like, okay, okay. I go, oh, my God, uh, Darcy, uh, hi. It was like, it was just really strange. It would have been easier with a total stranger than somebody you knew from school. Right. But uh, that was, it was cold. It was really cold. And that was probably, nice. and the funnest part was probably doing the improv scene with the kids. Because Tommy was out of the, he had a minute left to film. And he put two cameras, put one down on the ground and one above, and he just walked away. He said, "Here," and he threw that rock to me. He said, "Just do whatever you want to do." And I made the whole thing up, so it's fun. It's fun to like improv stuff because you don't have you don't have to worry about focusing on lines or listening. Maybe That's you hilarious. Just go. So right. That was kind of 
That yeah. that's really fun. And, that, and it was funny because you're like teaching them about what was it, the Indians or something like that about starting yeah, a fire. I, really, I had no idea where I was going to say the, the minute I said it. I had no idea where I was going to go. It just kind of came out. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, uh, how was your death scene filmed and prepped? Well, that was potentially really dangerous. The thing about this film is that it originally, it was so violent, mm-hmm. that my kill was so violent, I'll tell you why, <clears throat> that this is the thing, first of all, they were going to have to rate, they were gonna, back then, they were going to rate it X, which mm-hmm. is only pornos were X, so they would have made no money, and they right. would have just died if they would have done that, so the reason why it was so violent looking was this, it was a collapsible knife, we started the we started the scene like, um, CJ's overtaught me, but they collapsed mm-hmm. the blade, they put like a dime, a piece of metal like inside my ear, right. and it had a little tiny hole in it, so the blade tip would stick in there, awesome. so they collapsed the blade, like that's what's going on, so he starts, I start dead, right, mm-hmm. and then they go, action, he snaps the knife out, I come back to life, start steering, and he starts walking backwards, so when it went forward, it, you, you totally saw that knife go right into my head, and there was like no Oof. denying it, it all was one shot, and it looked really, really violent, so that's what Tommy told me anyway, that they wouldn't even allow it at all, wow. it's a pretty ungory movie, really, like, right, it's not it's other than the heart, you know, when they pull that out, but it's really mostly like slash, and then you just know what happened. Yeah. Wow. You know. Nice. But that was that. Darcy got beat up pretty good, and the, CJ was terrific because he's been him being a, like mm-hmm. I don't know if he's Green Beret or he was he's a Navy SEAL or something, but he's such a powerful guy. I mean, he can yeah. grab your body and just throw it and stop it. And you know, with Darcy, I know that there was right. a lot of things where she could have been really hurt. But yep. he was able to just, you know, pitch her around like a rag doll right. and hold it and keep her from, like, actually hitting things. Absolutely. So, and I interviewed CJ, and he, is su- he was such a, a sweet guy. Like, uh, it was funny because... Uh, oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, because he, he, w- he, uh, he scheduled an interview with me, and then something happened that he had to go somewhere, or he was, like, he had to go somewhere last minute, a couple, like, a day prior, and he was on his way home during the interview, and he still made the chance to do the interview while he was driving home. Because <laughs> he didn't want to, like, cancel. <laughs> Now he has so many conventions. He does a convention yeah. almost every month. He's so busy doing this. He's made a yep. whole career of it. Yeah. But he's kind of in, in shock. He'd say, he goes, man, I'm not an actor. I'm not this. It's amazing, like, how much success, <laughs> how many, like, I guess, how much legs this movie's had. Absolutely. You know? And when you normally do a film, you can fall in love with the people, and you're like, let's say, I mean, the long film shop. I mean, for me, I've been mm-hmm. up stuff like six weeks, you'll be on a film, and you're like, really, they're tight. They're family. You're making people, right. people. You eat with them every night. You, like, you, just, you just know them. And then at the end of the film, Everybody takes everybody's phone numbers, write them down, and then nobody calls anybody. And unless you work with them again in another film, you never see them again. This situation, since there's these conventions, we're like, because Darcy and I become so close, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, right. we're like brother and sister now. That's we awesome. like, see each other all the time. And CJ, and I mean, I may feel really close to these people, and Tommy the same way. Right. I, mean, I feel like I can call them all at home, or like, you know, I mean, I could literally call them and talk to them and just bullshit about whatever. Absolutely. You know, it's not like we'd have to talk about this movie at all. Right, absolutely. And it's, yeah. It's Absolutely, and I, I actually uh, reached out to Darcy, and uh, she has something coming out. I believe uh, it doesn't have a release date yet, or it didn't at the time I was emailing her. So she told me to email her in about three months uh, when they ha- set a release date, because obviously with you know COVID and the pandemic and everything. Oh wow! Did she get, did you get the name of it? Um, I haven't because she's not allowed to release any of that information. That's why she wants to hold off on the interview so she can actually promote uh, it. I see. Yeah, so she's she. Absolutely. So uh, I'm. Uh, she told me in about three months, and this was probably January ish, February ish. So I'm. The, I have to look at how long. How long it was either April or uh, May. I could probably text her right now, find out the name of it, and find out everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be right. <laughs> oh, she'd be so excited to tell me. I said, 
said, yeah, I heard you got a job. What the hell is going on with that? And she's like, okay, it's this or that and this. And so don't tell anybody. Because she has to be careful because, especially if it pisses somebody off and it keeps you from getting another job at yes. this point. You know, I mean, we're not like little kids anymore. Like, it's not like there's all these roles going on. I mean, I don't, I don't do, I mean, I don't actively try to, 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 to act anymore. Right. I live in Idaho. I don't live anywhere near L.A. Right. Big purpose. <laughs> Definitely. That's the big difference, too, Idaho from L.A. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's, I mean, I live in Coeur d'Alene. It's like it's beautiful. It's like a resort town. That's it's awesome. It's gorgeous. I run out of the lake. It's, it's so pretty here. It's so nice. This now it's awesome. getting really nice. Right now, it's just the next four months will be pristine. That's awesome, though. It really is. My my aunt uh, goes uh, goes hunting uh, to Idaho usually every year, which oh, is pretty. So much deer. I don't know what they do. Deer or elk, but the deer. I mean, in my I think they do elk. I could, live, I could feed everybody you know every day. Nobody <laughs> deer just walking by my backyard. That's awesome. So the next question I got for you is, uh, were you the one actually driving the RV for the entire scene leading up to your death scene? Okay. There was nobody driving. There was no driving it at all. It was the guy okay. just turning the wheel, and they were jumping on the back of it. The people were just back in the back bumpers okay. sitting still. And then they just take a light and flash it by, flash it by, so it looks like there's you know lights or things going by, like they right. like things. There was no, we never drove that thing at all. Nice. So uh, how yeah. like was the RV scene when it was flipped over? How was that filmed? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the day for that to happen, because they only had one RV, it was a very low-budget movie. Right. So they have one RV, so they, they rent three or four cameras so they get the different angles, so they have it more dramatic. You can catch it from this angle, that angle. Right, that. right. So then they put the stunt guy in there, they rolled the thing with roll cages all inside of it. It had mm-hmm. like, you know, it just looked like a like a dune buggy with all the, like, all the roll cages stuck right. up inside. And this guy just comes and he hits a ramp, and what happens is when they do it, there's like a, it's a pop ramp. There's like a ramp that's down and it's hydraulic. And right when it mm-hmm. hits the wheel, there's a guy on the side of the road and he hits a button and it just ch- puts on this hydraulic button and just goes pop and it pops up and it just blows the wheel up. Like it nice. just jacks it up and just flips it. So they have that down to a science. And then they land it on the side. Once it was on the side, then they just kind of clean it up. Then they go in there with the fire and stuff and they light a controlled, like a controlled, like a, you know, propane, mm-hmm. just little, you know, burners and things just there so they're not actually burning anything. Nice. And they release some smoke that's fake smoke and then you have the burn come and then he comes up out of it. But there's, you know, it was, it could have been the next day that they did it after it flipped over because it was probably, you know, you know, I don't know if there was gas leaking, you don't right. know what's happening with that thing. So they got to clean that whole thing up, make sure it's safe. Right. And CJ would get in it then they'd light the fire around it. But it was all controlled, like with the propane cuff. I don't mean to make it like, you know, like your audience is going, oh, man. <laughs> That's, you know, the way they got to kind of keep it safe. I mean, absolutely. He's a badass, but he doesn't want to catch on fire. <laughs> absolutely. Exactly. So you know. the last question I actually have for you is, uh, you said you're not in acting, you're not really acting anymore, but do you have any, like, projects or anything that you would like to promote? You know what? I have got a ton of projects. I'm awesome. I'm that I want to direct. I'm directing a project pretty soon here in about a month and a half up here. Um, for a guy, I'll, I'll let you know. You keep up to I'll let you know what that is. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe, God, it might be even where, where you live. I live in Maryland, but I go to Pennsylvania usually every other weekend. You go to Pennsylvania. Okay, my parents well, live in Pennsylvania. Because they're shooting everything out here, and I got a crew coming in from that I met at the convention I did last in, in mm-hmm. Atlanta. Um, Tyler and, and Davis are both coming out. I saw those guys. It's so funny. I have a video of it. <laughs> where they just walked up, told me that they were, like, they did photographer. They, they were, did, like, you know... They did like you know films and shorts and things like that. And out of the blue, I just liked them. I said, "Okay, you guys are doing this," and I said it live, like nice. and, and you know, basically told them they would do this. And they were just, I you know, I basically like com- committed myself to that. And I've talked mm-hmm. to them, and so I've got budget for it now. And they're going to come out here and spend the whole month of July. Awesome, awesome. And we're going to shoot that. 
but then I've written another film called The Preachers of Rock, which is about a rock band. It's a copy band. Mm-hmm. It's really, really talented and really gifted, and they're all turning 50. And when nice. they turn 50, they promised all their wives and their kids they get regular jobs. And the night that they're playing in their little club and they're all saying goodbye to the, everybody, <laughs> this talent scout comes walking in and sees them and says, oh, my God, where have these guys been all my life? And he's going to make them into rock stars. And they get in a motorhome, and they tour all the way from Boston all the way to Los <laughs> Angeles and through the United States. They had had a plan with their kids before they were, you know, discovered right then that they were going to take the kids on like this rock and roll memorabilia to show them how nice. rock and roll started, how it really came from the blues down into jazz and all that stuff. So this guy rides with them, and he just by the time they get to LA, they they Facebooked them, done all this stuff, and they've been on the radio and all this, all this music of theirs, and they're a huge success. And then realistically, at the end of this film, in real time, the actors who absolutely, absolutely have to play their own instruments can tour mm-hmm. with the album. And nice. Up and tour when, the, when the movie opens. That's awesome. That's really cool. So that's, so I'm not not acting. I'm just not in L.A. But to, you know, right. you know, having an agent and doing that whole thing. Just, awesome. Yeah. You know, you just write your own darn thing. You know. Exactly. And do you? Yeah. That's that's what I do. I have a small company, uh, indie film like company as well. We have our second full feature uh, is uh, we just put out our casting call and uh, we're going to be filming starting in July and. Uh, we're all excited about that. So today was a very busy day. I had an interview with three. Then I had, of course, the interview with you tonight. And uh, I was doing a lot of stuff for my company, Gravestone Films. And it's, it's okay, just been... How old are you? Uh, 31. I'll be 32 this year. Okay, so these guys are like 20... 20- Four twenty-five, I think twenty-six, okay. twenty-seven, something like that. It's amazing. Like they showed me their short or whatever. Well, yeah. you know what? If you've got some stock that you can you can send to me, let me look at your stuff. Let me see what you're like. You know what your stuff looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I don't pay attention to Facebook very much. If you, if you send it to me personally, just send it to me or messenger to me. Give me a link and I'll look at it. Because yeah. I'm always looking for people that like that are extraordinary that stand out and looking for different stuff. You know, yeah. as far as that goes. I mean, I know you guys probably don't travel very far from where you're going, but you yeah. know, I mean, I'm just I'm going with this crew this time and see what the deal is. But you know, we may know. I don't know. We just. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can send you that after uh, we're done this interview because uh, I know that okay. I want to, uh, that I, I would like to get your interview online tonight. Um, maybe not on YouTube per se because it takes a while for all that to upload and everything, but I would at least like to get right. it online, you know, the audio version. How many of it. listeners do you have usually? Um, it, it varies uh, depending on, like, earlier in the week, it could be anywhere from, I'd say, now the YouTube is not as much, but the online podcast and everything on Apple and all that, I usually have anywhere between, I'd say, 15 to 20. 20,000 um, a day in the earlier in the weeks and maybe uh, between 20 and 30,000 um, a day within uh, the weekends when most people oh, wow, are... Oh, man, weekends. I had no idea. Yeah, I have, I have a pretty you good following. Me, I'll give you an example. At the beginning of this, when you said, well, you know what, the Tommy McLaughlin was going to make sure you know that you were okay and all that stuff, and then you said, <laughs> well, sometimes there's, you, know, you never know who you're going to get. Yep. I swear, I had one guy interview me, and I didn't even think about it. He did this whole thing, and I went to his thing to look at it, and he had like 20 listeners. <laughs> And I was like, it was just him and his buddies. It might as well just like I should have just called them at home and hung out with them. If, if you hilarious. look at my YouTube, uh, my YouTube profile, like my YouTube profile, it's actually a new account for the Slasher Scotty brand because I also create original video content. I just opened that page, so I only have like ninety-seven subscribers or something like that. Um, so I don't get uh-huh. many listens on there, but on the actual like Apple Podcasts, I'm on like thirty to forty different podcasting platforms alone. Um, no, do you do? Are you able to like do you do you do? Did you have to pay for that? Or do you make money from? 
I'm just, I'm so, I know. I do, I, I do make money that. off of it, but not from the interviews right. themselves. Um, before every interview, a sponsored ad that I record it, um, promoting my, uh, my platform, uh, it's anchor.fm. Um, sure. I, I, I do like a sponsor plug for them to, for people to know that it's free. You can do, anybody can create one on there. And if, and ev- before every interview that will play. And once everybody listens to it in its entirety, I make about like six uh-huh. cents or whatever per listen. So like right now I'm at, oh, like, I gotcha. yeah. So right now I'm at like, at least, so, like, I can always yeah. think of this. I'm just, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no I problem. always think of like Joe Rogan. Cause I watched him go from rags <laughs> to riches. Like I watched right. him build this thing and, and it was such a natural progression. Right. And in the beginning, his old interviews, he had to, he got half the interviews, half the thing would be all this yeah. I mean, he was advertising for all these different things and all these products and all this stuff and yep. then now it's like there is no product so how is it so I guess it's just because he's on whatever, uh, what's that thing he's on Spotify yeah. I guess they're just paid for, the, for the, they get paid because people pay they're, you know, whatever they just pay to, to be a part of for the Yeah, whatever. pretty much for the ads. Uh, you basically get paid based on the ads. Like, I, I, I don't really do this to make money. Like, I mean, I make, right. you know, it's about six cents every listen or whatever. So I make pretty decent, but I don't, I mean, it's not my full-time job. My full-time job is with the U.S. Coast Guard, and I'm their senior web developer. Like, that's my full-time job. because I went to school like any normal person. I have a small indie company that I literally fund with my own paychecks. Like, you know, I'm not rich by any means in terms of in terms of like you, you know, know what? Hollywood funny, man. right now how many of your <laughs> listeners are going wait a second who's interviewing who it sounds like Tommy's just asking him questions <laughs> 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 well, you know, I'm generally interested in stuff like that yeah. I don't mean to be like completely like you know ignorant uh, no like, I all, completely agree yeah those things, I think wow I have some value I could go do this and this and this I've never had like an agent like somebody call forget the kind of agents you think of somebody who is like a hey I'm a I'm, I'm basically like yep. a, a, an internet agent that shows you how to use all these <laughs> You know all this stuff, right? And I have no idea. I'm just, I'm like just ridiculous. exactly. And I, I've dealt with, and I've dealt with agents. Uh, like I, I have IMDb, and I go, I, I use IMDb Pro to get, like look up agents for people that I'm not connected with on Facebook. So like I, I got a lot, like a lot of my guests I got from their agents or their publicists. Like I interviewed Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story the other day. Um, she played uh, Pepper. Um, I interviewed uh, Michael Berryman, D. Wallace. Like I interviewed so many people. Um, you know, I interviewed a lot of people from Part Six: Tommy McLaughlin, Nancy McLaughlin, Tom Matthews. Um, I interviewed uh, who else? Uh, so did you interview Darcy? Or she didn't go on you yet. I, she hasn't been on yet. I have to reach back out to her within the three month time span. But uh, if you, hey, well, if you, you know can, what? hey, I'll do the same thing that Tommy did for for me or whatever. I'll reach out to her and tell her awesome. that, that you're really worthwhile to do. You know, what awesome. I mean? Thank she you. Her and I are like we. We, we, we love each other. We're really close. We like awesome. there's no problem. It's Thank amazing. you so much. Yeah, and tell her, like, you can yeah. give her my Facebook page. Tell her to send me a friend request if she's not already on my Facebook. She might even be on. I don't know. I went through her, I think her agent, and her agent uh, sent a forward at my email, and she personally emailed me from her account. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tell her she has my okay. email. So, yeah, let her know. And I would love, I, like I said, I w- I've been waiting to interview her. Um, so I, I would love oh. to do it. I was going to reach out. I have to, I, like I said, I had to look to see if it was April or May was the, was the third month mark. Usually, when they say three months, I don't like to do you know two months or whatever. I like to actually do I what they you. say. I, well, like I said, man, three months things can get really busy. Hey, Absolutely, Scott, it's been really nice having you on my show. Well. Absolutely. Well, I do thank you for uh, for coming on my show. I really do appreciate it. Um, it's, it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun, and I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let let me know what Darcy says as well. Okay. 
All right, thank you so much. You have a good rest of your night. Bye, audience. You're out there, man. Thank you for being a fan of this film. It's been my pleasure to service you acting-wise. What can I say? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom. You have a great rest of your day, and please stay safe. All right. Good night, everybody. Yep, good night. Bye.